0: everybody and thank you for tuning in to another episode of people today i'm joined by al graziano my uh, boss for the past four years really great guy good mentor of mine super excited to get into this what's up Al? how you doing
1: what's up damien
0: finally got you on the podcast
1: i don't know how this happened
0: uh it took a lot of sales pitch and a haircut but it happened
1: if you uh hear nothing it's probably because i just turned it off and walked away
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> are you are you are you ready to get canceled? No? Okay. <laughs> what have you been up to today?
1: Well, um I actually played soccer today. Tried to connect back to my youth, how I used to be able to play soccer and uh, regretting it right this second because I'm covered with ice packs. So that's how that went. <laughs>
0: How did the soccer go? Did you win?
1: Tied two two, so it was uh, it was fun. Good to run around, but I am not built that way anymore. So learned that real fast.
0: Well, at least you, at least you went for it. I mean, got in there and tried to, yeah, for sure. But uh, did you want to go ahead and uh, kind of give a biography of yourself? Kind of let people know who they're listening to today. Sure. Um,
1: all right. So. Obviously, my name is Al Graziano. I am born and raised in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. Um, yep, started down by the Jersey Shore, same town as the Jersey Shore TV show, for those of you who don't know where Point Pleasant is. So, if you've watched that show, you've watched my hometown, unfortunately, in the mm-hmm. summertime month. Um, you know, from there on, I've kind of been all over the place, which is, you know, kind of where I met how I met Damien, but uh, I went to school down south in Virginia at James Madison for finance. Um, quickly realized I couldn't sit still at a desk, so I went right back to working for Jersey Mike's, which was my first job in middle school, high school. Um, found out a few alumni from James Madison, went to JMU, uh, worked at Jersey Mike's, which we call Jersey Mike's University now got connected that way and they shortly after put me on the road making subs all over the country so i've kind of lived almost everywhere um which again that's what led me to midland texas <laughs> meeting midland Mr. texas damian crawford it was so scared when you saw me
0: terrified actually but we're gonna get into that for sure uh,
1: <laughs> now i'm here in boston with damian crawford
0: yeah, Maybe. I'm like the stray puppy dog you can't get rid of. You know, just follows you. That was the other way around. <laughs> but uh, cool. Um, so Jersey Mike's, was, I actually didn't know that Jersey Mike's was like your very first job.
1: Um, kind of, yeah. So it was Jersey Mike's, and then so my grandfather worked in the original Jersey Mike's in the '50s, um, and then since you know broke off and had his own things. So I've between Jersey Mike's and my own family sub shops, I was sprinkling sandwiches on a step stool at six years old. So kind of like an unofficial thing because New Jersey's the Wild West. But um, for those of you who don't know what sprinkling means, basically topping sandwiches, but putting onions, lettuce, tomato. So I thought it was cool when I was six. I wasn't getting paid. Looking back at it, I was an idiot. But uh, I enjoyed every second of it.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Uh, uh, yeah. So when did you, so did you start working at the original Jersey Mike's Mike Subs when you first started with Jersey Mike's or were you in one of the franchise stores? I'd assume you had to be in one of the franchise stores, right?
1: So I was I'm a little too young to to have worked at the the original original Mike Subs uh, when they moved to a bigger location on the other side of town. Um that's when that's the one I I worked in.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, that's awesome. So you went to school and decided finance was was what you were going to do and I know you've told me your story about working on wall street and all that, but where the hell did you get finance from it? Was it just the money appeal or
1: what money appeal and Wolf of wall street came out at that particular time in history. And uh, I wanted to be Leo DiCaprio in that movie.
0: You wanted to be Uh, Wolf on wall street.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. So it was exciting. You know, obviously when you go to college, you just kind of just pick whatever for the most part with whatever seems most exciting. And uh, at the time that seemed very exciting. So it was that and foreign languages, which, again, I don't know why I chose that, but, um, yeah, kind of just happened that way, but, um, yeah, like I said, it just wasn't for me, I did, you know, I was able to do, a, like, a mentorship program, so I was able to go into York and work on Wall Street with a fellow alumni, well, not really technically work, because I wasn't uh, licensed to do it yet, but I was able to kind of live it, live life on the trading floor, and then kind of go that, out with them. How it went, and it uh, just wasn't for me. Is okay.
0: that as like uh, frantic and chaotic as it looks when you see all those pictures of like Wall Street crashing and everybody looks terrified and it looks chaotic? Is it like that on a day to day basis, or is it just extremely dull?
1: I, I mean, I probably can't speak on it too too much since I didn't spend that that much time. But uh, what I saw wasn't necessarily like that. I mean, it's high pay, you know, it's fast paced, high stressed, you know, people grinding. But yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty stressful. At least it was for me, college good looking. Yeah. Watching them make phone calls all day, but it's a little wild, the whole thing,
0: in my opinion. What exactly, like, what kind of work would you have been doing, like, had you worked with it long term? I mean, are you just like calling brokers and and how exactly is that? There's a
1: whole bunch of different things. So I was able to mentor somebody on a, you know, the fixed income floor, which dealt with stuff like bonds. And then there was another gentleman that I spoke to that worked with who was an analyst, but foreign exchange. So, kind of like the foreign exchange rates and how those rates change between different countries and the business they do for, you know, exchange trading arbitrage. So there's a lot, there, there, there are so many different roles, you know, between just the traders and there's the ops team, the people that execute the trades. So, you know, there's a lot, it's really kind of where you've, you know, who you know and how you fit yourself in there. It's kind of how it works, but yeah, I, I, you know, looking back, I don't even know. I kind of just went in dove at first and was like, all right, let me see how this goes without really a good plan. So, I kind of got lucky that I got out of it smoothly, I guess you could say. But um, I kind of just knew right away. Oh, yeah, I got lucky. The kid, the, kid, the kid that was mentoring me asked me, he's like, hey, you know, why do you love finance? I was like, well, I don't. <laughs> I'm just and kind of, of here. At me. He's like, well, not trying to say you shouldn't do it, but maybe it's something you should think about.
0: Yeah. So I know I know you and I know regret's not one of your things but do you ever look back at it and like regret that you like went to college for it and spent that time at Wall Street when you turned out it wasn't for you and you didn't have to spend that time and money on it or do you appreciate at least what you got from it I mean you're I rely on you for a hell of a lot of financial advice so obviously you learned from it but
1: yeah I mean it's easy to say that I had to, if I didn't choose college I would have started jersey mikes earlier but you really don't know that and if I didn't go to college and meet these people and decide what i didn't want to do right i wouldn't be standing where i'm standing you know right the second right talking on this podcast so a a lot needed to happen for you and i to me a lot needed to happen for you know people in my life to meet me and for me to meet them and things to work out so i kind of you know there's really people could say they regret things but it's not like just you know if you'd go back to that one particular time in history and make a different decision you really have no idea where that's going from there
0: yeah exactly no that's That's quotable. I'm gonna write that one down. But um, so, how did how did JMU go for you? What was Jersey Mike's University like?
1: Jersey Mike's University. All right. So when I yeah, after graduating, the first JMU I went to, um, it it was it was good. I mean, I I got made fun of a lot. You know, I got stuck in store in Homedale, New Jersey, just paid hourly, making sandwiches, trying to find my path in the company. Um, Yeah. So that was the first summer back and I had a lot of friends who are on wall street or working as consultants in DC. And, you know, you obviously all talk, you know, what are you doing? How's your job going? And well, you know, just, I opened the store this morning. I sliced onions, lettuce, tomato, Jeez. and they'd all think I was kidding. And I wasn't, um, but it was good. And then, you know, I, that, that was probably about five, six months. And then I uh, got put right on the road doing grand openings to call us uh, field guys is the term, but uh it would help franchisees open stores. Or we go to existing stores that were performing terribly and <laughs> try to help. Um
0: I wonder where we know one of those was at.
1: No comment. Uh you know, but <laughs> um yeah no so you meet a lot of people along the way, which is again where I met Damien and probably sixty percent of her management staff here in Boston just through these trips. But um yeah kind of got lucky. Um I got lucky going to Australia for Jersey Mike's, which is like what
0: turned my entire career around in a good way.
1: Um, luckily
0: just like you sound really far away from your headphones. Really? Yeah, it's much better.
1: Yeah, so I kind of got lucky that I'm Italian and they needed to make homemade meatballs in Australia. So they're like, all right, we'll pick that guy. So they sent me out there and that kind of <laughs> catapulted me into another stratosphere for my career. Learned a lot. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I was then. Then from there, I went to Hawaii, went to you know upstate New York, went to Portland, all Houston, kind of all over the place, kind of learning on the fly, getting to meet people, meeting franchisees that had success in other realms of business, you know, picking stuff from them and learning from them, and then I got getting to meet the crew members and the managers and the stores and their their histories, and you
0: know, it was kind of cool. You
1: know, again, I've built my career on. The relationships that i've created so i think damien you're you're a result of of that and definitely happy you're here but you know just keeping a good relationship with somebody i think and
0: yeah Um, pretty cool so what was your like uh what was the most intriguing part or what was the most appealing part of being a field agent i mean just being able to go around and travel the world i assume i know it got tiring and you and i had conversations about why you stopped doing it but in the moment i'm sure it was pretty fun yeah or or I was
1: it? Yeah, I mean, you're just fresh out of college. You know, I was 23, I believe. And the prospect of just traveling, living in a, at a Hilton hotel and just traveling every two weeks, not knowing where you're going to go. It's pretty fun. Um, you know, I, I, I loved it. I, a lot of things I probably would have never seen, places that I would have never traveled to, people I would have never met. So it was cool. Definitely cool when you're just, you know, trying to figure figure your life out. You know, you don't want to be locked down anywhere. You know, so you it's any... kind of perfect.
0: I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, you go ahead. What's up? No, you can finish what you were saying. I apologize. You no,
1: know, it's just kind of perfect for the time period in my life. But, um, yeah, like you said, but it, it gets old. You know, at some point you want to settle down and have some continuity in your life. And that's kind of what happened to me.
0: Do you have any – I know you've told us a couple. Do you have any uh... – memorable stories from being in like Hawaii or being in Australia and opening the first Jersey Mike's there, that you want to tell people or no, or you don't have to, but yeah, I know you've sure. told me and JJ some great ones. Like, oh, it must've
1: been so cool to be in Hawaii. You know, did you get to see anything? How many kangaroos did you see?
0: I was like, well,
1: we worked, we, we legit, like there's a team of us, about eight of us. Um, and when I tell you we worked 18 hours a day, we we legitimately worked 18 hours a day. It was uh absolutely wild so um, didn't get to see much but there was definitely some you know the cultural differences were were, were pretty cool and
0: interesting um, where did the uh, where is the Jersey Mike's in Australia uh, I
1: think there was six or seven all sudden done. Uh, done, you know they're not open anymore but the main one was in uh, so it's right on the Gold Coast so <laughs> um, so Brisbane and then north of that so Mermaid Waters, Benoa. So if you looked at the uh, eastern coast, we were we were there.
0: Did they close down due to like COVID or something, or did it just not not work for Aussies or what? I didn't know they were closed.
1: Um, yeah, it was a mixture of things. You know, it was. I think we just maybe we jumped in, but I don't know. It's a, a lot of things happened. We jumped in, and you know, for those of you who know Jersey Mike's, where we are known for our cold sandwiches, like the Italians and the turkey. The turkey is like a peasant food out there, so it was almost offensive to serve it, but we didn't know that, huh. um, which was pretty funny to figure out but they only like cheese steaks so gotcha. yeah I mean, you know, again for those of you who have been in a jersey Mike's, you know what really makes us jersey mics is that frontline experience watching people slice the sandwiches but when they only want cheese steaks basically just watching our backs while we chop the cheese steaks all day so I don't know you know I, I think it could be successful in Australia just wasn't at that point uh, you know I can't I can't okay. really pinpoint this, but.
0: yeah I got you all right, well, then uh, staying on the, the field agent, field guy thing, let's let's talk us. Uh, when you got to Midland, Texas, that was – I remember showing up to work that morning. No one had told me you were coming. No one told me corporate was coming that morning. I remember walking outside to, like, take out some trash, and there was just some dude – and I didn't realize you were in a Jersey Mike shirt. Maybe you weren't at the time. It was just pacing the back the way you do, talking on the phone very fast, pacing up and down, up and down. And I was like, who the hell is this dude? Went back inside, did a couple other things, went back outside for another reason. You were still out there, still on the phone, still pacing. I'm like, you hey, know, what is this dude hanging out in the back of the shopping center for? Like really kind of bugged out by it. And the next thing I know, I think you, I don't think you came to the back door, but you came to that little side door we had in the Midland store. And I was like, oh, and then you walked right around the counter. I was like, who the hell is this? You were like, hey, what's up, man? I'm out. And then you just started walking me around the store like, why are we doing this? Or, Hey, check this out. Or, Hey, can you explain this to me? Crazy experience. But what was, what was Midland like for you?
1: Well, so that was a, a super long trip for me because they flown me out and I I was, that was part of the the cross Texas trip that I had made um, all the way to to Austin. And then I believe I drove all the way to Houston after that. So I, I was in, I went from, I went basically, you know, west to east entirely through Texas. So that was halfway through my trip after driving a ton that getting to this town that you know, I didn't really know what was going on, but it was definitely an oil type of town where oil pretty much ran everything. But I don't know if it was it was super quiet when I got there, but so it was kind of eerie. But yeah, when I got there, I was I think I was talking to John Enterline in for about an hour. So that's why I was pacing. Just kind of filling me in on the whole situation. So I didn't really know what to expect, but you were definitely shaking in your boots. Um yeah. <laughs> I got there, but I was trying to Yeah. You know, I guess I was I, I probably more scary looking than I really am, but I thought I mean I saw it as as a pretty productive day. We had a lot of fun. I think towards the end we we're like, all right, this guy's not not a giant douche in corporate.
0: So, well yeah, because uh, you know, my main issue with that store was I was a twenty year old kid who had no business being a store manager, zero training for it, it was kinda of thrown into it. And I was told, like, you know, you'll be the store manager and we're gonna get you lots of help, it's gonna be great. I mean that help never came and then when you first showed up i was like who is this douchebag coming in here telling me how to do my job and then halfway through i was like oh wait this is someone who actually gives a damn he's actually trying to help me do my job and then i came around to it but i remember first half of the day i was like i don't like this guy why is this guy here why is this guy in my face why does he keep telling me how to do everything differently when i'm doing it it was an experience but it was a good one in the at the at the end of the day
1: yeah i'm glad you enjoyed. i know we still have that list we uh made on that day.
0: I do <laughs> still have that list put away somewhere in a box somewhere. A great list. Yeah, it was. But um after so after Texas, I know you and I kinda of stayed in contact. I mean after that Midland trip, you were pretty much transitioning into New York at that time, weren't you?
1: I think I, I I believe so. Um I think that was summertime. It was. So- Kind of. I was going on my second. I think after that, I went on my second round of Hawaii openings. Um, I was kind of getting burnt out. That trip burnt me out. I, I drove a ton, and it was just that was a crazy trip. Yeah, so some crazy stuff. I had my first seventy pound steak in Mount Hoisters. Drove around Texas. Got. I think I got lost in a Texas road because my GPS turned off and I didn't know where I was going, so I just drove straight. For- oh really. I hit something but yeah that was the tail end I think yeah towards the end I think the end of that year is when I had made the move to upstate New York
0: yeah so I know right so moving to upstate New York you kind of transitioned from being a, a field guy to a franchisee or co-owning a franchise what was that process like for you
1: definitely turbulent you know I was a little naive to think that uh it was that easy um you know, I learned real fast that partnerships are, are difficult. So that's why it's super important to find the right partner um, in, in business if you're going to have one. But yeah, I mean, naive kid, I thought I can go out there and you know work 120 hours a week, make some money and things are going to be good. And, uh, you know, if your values don't line up with the people you're working with, you know, it's never going to end well. But yeah, it was a short lived, I think six months in upstate New York. I mean, Saratoga Springs was nice. You know, after the first you know race uh, track season in Saratoga for the horse racing you know I kind of got tired of it because it's really again it's not much up there and you're only get three months of somewhat good weather and then it's you know, for example the day I moved there it was negative 10 degrees and uh, that might have been the worst moving day of my life by far so um, yeah life hit me real fast you know it wasn't the, it wasn't as I wasn't as comfortable as it was when I was traveling with with Jersey Mike's. They had treated me well, um, but you know I knew I wanted to do my own thing. I just you know that wasn't the right I guess scenario or circumstances for me to do it. Um, but again, you know it, a lot of good came out of it. I learned a lot of what not to do. I learned a lot about myself. Um, about to work with you, work with JJ, and another one of the team that moved out here. Met Evan. Met a lot of people. Yeah, I would have otherwise not met and uh got to transition that into Boston. Again, you know, I look at all these things like even if to other people New York seems like just a complete failure, a terrible situation because of certain people, but you know, pretty lucky it happened, quite honestly, in my just my perspective on it. But what did you think about New York, Damien? Let me ask you.
0: Oh God. New York, uh, I mean, New York was kind of hard for me, right? Cause I had just turned 21 and wasn't sure exactly what I want to do. And then here you were offering me the chance to move like across the country to leave my hometown with a pretty good paying job opportunity. So obviously I'm going to take it. Um, let me see. I hated the area. I think we both kind of agree with that. It gets old on you pretty quick. Um, I mean the working was fine. I mean, I got to work with you, uh, which I really had only done in Midland and I got to meet and live with JJ. That was an experience and that's that's a friendship I think will last for a lifetime. And I mean, I I take a lot of values out of New York because I learned one, how to be a little more independent, live away from my parents. I learned that I don't want to be that guy that spends his life in his hometown. No offense to people that do. That's great for you, but I think I kinda like traveling and living different places um so i mean there's definitely the good and the bad uh we could probably spend 30 minutes here talking about your former franchise partner But why do we give a damn about him uh you know that i don't think one of us like him very much but uh i would say new york was just a really really awesome experience to grow it was it gave me a lot of chance to kind of grow and figure out who i am as a person as a worker even if it didn't work out necessarily for you or for me i guess in the long run it did right but didn't seem like it initially. I, I think, yeah. honest to God, leaving New York the day that I left was probably the happiest I had been, <laughs> except for like my first month living there. I mean, it was just a freaking experience, man. But leave, like when I the day I left, I was like, oh, this is like, screw this place. It was just, I don't, it was something about the area, man. I don't know what it was, but everyone was just bitter. And the people there were just like, I don't know. I don't want to talk too too badly, but you know what I'm saying.
1: Well, New Yorkers are a bit aggressive right i am right there with him some from jersey but
0: you live in upstate new york like what do you have to be aggressive
1: about? Things, you know, <laughs> it's hard to stay be happy in the cold when it's constantly winter you know
0: but no, that, that might be what it is man but <laughs>
1: i don't know i don't know but uh like you said definitely it was a good experience but you know in the short term it, it, when you when you're in the moment it seemed like it was such a a bad thing like and I was freaking out when it all didn't work out trying to figure out what the hell I was going to do. And I was, you know, it just seemed bad. And then now looking back, I'm, it's like almost like I had to go through that.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Cause I think I learned from that, like a lot of what I will never do if I have like, you know, if I move to another place again, or if I were to ever transition companies or something like that, like kind of the New York model of what we went through and then like, that that's kind of like worst case in a way almost. And then the Boston model has been like best case in a way. So now I have very clear visions of what to look for in either c- circumstance if I if I were to move long term again. So that's I mean, that's life advice you or life knowledge you can never get past, you know. Like that's gonna stick with me for years. Well,
1: you're uh, never leaving Boston, so <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, okay. We'll stay with it for now. <laughs> No intentions to leave anytime soon, as of right now. That's that's the plan. But uh, uh, so leaving New York to Boston, how did that come about? When did you first kind of get in contact with Bob and decide that Boston could be the next step?
1: Well, my last trip as a Jersey Mike's employee was in Hanover, Massachusetts, with Bob Quinlan. That was his first store opening. Um, you know, Bob and I hit it off. Bob just genuinely probably one of the best people I've ever met, him and his whole family. high um, so energy, wanted to do things the right way. I was just super nice to his employees. You know, it was just a breath of fresh air. You know, it was kind of, you know, when you meet so many franchisees, you really, what's the right word? You kind of, you know, you really uh, appreciate the ones that really care about the brand, do things the right way. And Bob was one of those guys. And Bob was always good at just maintaining good relationships. You know, I think that's one thing that i one of the most important things I've learned from him is to just always keep a good relationship with people don't burn bridges. Um, you never know what could happen in the future. And, and that's kind of what happened after New York happened. I was, you know, really just trying to figure out what the next move was. And you know, I, I still had some friends at Jersey Mike's and they were kind of guiding me like, Hey, why don't you talk to this franchisee? And there's other franchisees in the Boston area that they throw through at me. But, um, You know, Bob was the one that, you know, clicked. I was like, all right, let me talk to Bob. And, uh, we had, you know, we had some solid conversations, which led to, uh, which ultimately led to our partnership and, uh, the rest was history from there, but yeah, started with Hanover and fall river, which is where I met Jen Roger part of the team now. And, uh, three and a half years later, we have 10 stores. So
0: are we up to 10?
1: We're opening store 10 in a few weeks in Somerset. Yep.
0: Sheesh. That's, yeah. I remember we had wow. that, uh, that like covert meeting with Bob right by our old apartment building at that cafe. So you meet uh, JJ and who else was there with us? Nick Butto. Dante, right? Oh yeah.
1: Oh Dante. I think it was, I thought, I thought it was Nick Butto, but yeah, it was Dante.
0: Yeah, no, no. Yeah, it was Dante. Cause I remember he came over to the pad with JJ and I, we were talking for a bit, but yeah, I remember meeting Bob and then it, it was funny. Cause I didn't even recognize him until I moved back out here. And when I was like, Oh shoot, that's the guy we met. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Bob's a great guy and Boston's been a great thing. Um, what would you say? What is the biggest difference between, you know, New York and Boston, as far as you feel, you personally being a franchisee, what's your biggest point of difference between the two?
1: I gotta just to think or. There- Bob and I's values, what we find important in the stores, aligns, which was the biggest thing, and actually being able to see through my vision. You know, you have a vision of how you want to run these things. You know, I've been able to work with a ton of franchisees who've done a lot of good, a lot of bad. You know, so I've developed what I thought in my head was the most efficient way to do it. How I want to treat my employees, how I want to pay them, how how I want to operate the stores. And I just wanted to see that through. Whereas, in you know New York, I really didn't couldn't have, I didn't really have much control of my day-to-day or you know bob gave you know put a lot of trust in me which allowed me to do my thing and really helped developing you guys and myself all together at the same time and you know again that that's the biggest difference i, I wasn't truly really able to do that in new york if i wanted to you know take care of an employee in new york i couldn't if i wanted to bring on somebody who's who's awesome and pay them what they deserve i couldn't you know so i was kind of like which I thought going in I, that, that that particular partner was going to let me do, but as we know know he didn't, but you know, whatever doesn't. here here in, here in Boston now and you know again Bob gave me the opportunity and it wasn't perfect, and you know I definitely appreciate Bob being patient with me because I'm a lot to, to deal with, especially <laughs> when I'm younger. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm definitely grateful just say that for, for the opportunity I had here.
0: Definitely. Yeah. So now that we have the 10, 10 Jersey Mike's opening in the Boston area next, and you're also opening up a brand new flashy franchise. Did you want to talk about that one? Dave's hot chicken. Yeah, baby. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a flashy.
1: It's definitely exciting. It's definitely a brand that I didn't see myself getting into until I tried it, saw it, experienced it. Um, Yeah, we're going to start with Dave's hot chicken. It's just probably the best natural hot chicken I've ever ever had. Um, You couple that with amazing, like the stores are amazing with the colors and then they get the street artists that come in and do custom designs. You know, and it's just a super simple menu, just chicken tenders done a few different ways. French fries, mac and cheese and a milkshake. I mean, it's, I'm a foodie and it definitely resonated with me, but yeah, we're doing, going to do 10 of those in Boston as well. And we're really going to be building an empire here. But it's, it's like I said, definitely flashy. It's just a fun, new, fresh brand that I'm super excited to get involved with.
0: Yeah. And so your day of Chicken is going to be the first one on the East Coast, right? The first one you're opening in Newton.
1: Yeah. I think they opened one in, in North Carolina last week. So I guess I uh, nah, it doesn't count. Depending, depending on where in North Carolina it might not be considered the East Coast. Like we're, we're literally on the water.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. In So I'm just going to pretend like the one in North Carolina is not the East Coast, but <laughs> um, definitely first in the Northeast, if not first, second on the East Coast as a whole. So um, I think Boston needs it, to be honest. You know, I've been here for three and a half years. There's there's nothing like it, like at all, not even close.
0: I think it's definitely going to fit in with Boston culture for sure, especially the younger culture if it's moving into the Boston area. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be exciting stuff for you, for sure. Um, But cool. I mean, that's uh, pretty much what we came on here to talk about. You know, from the podcast, we like to kind of do our question game. If you're cool with that, we can get into that.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm going to follow your lead, (laughs) Damien.
0: All right, cool. So uh, I asked this to uh, Stephanie and Waylon, two other Jersey Mike's franchisees I'm very close with, so I'd like to ask you, uh, what is your most memorable, uh, good or bad day as a franchisee? Um, I guess with Jersey Mike's, but as a franchisee, what's your most memorable day?
1: So, I think when it, there was a day where it really settled in that I was a franchisee, we were opening up the store in Queensbury, New York, which you know very well. Um, yes, sir. And the day that corporate left, which used to be me leaving, was on that Sunday, and there was a line. Out the door, and I'm just slicing, you know, just doing my thing. Like an hour, I think an hour goes by, just slicing, and I look up, and the line just hasn't gotten smaller. Yeah. And I look around, I'm like, wow, this is this is real. I'm literally on my own. And that was kind of like a scary, exciting. It was just a whirlwind of emotions. I was like, wow, this is really happening. Because that was at the first store that. We had opened, um, John and I together. But uh, that, that'll be like probably a memory that's imprinted on me forever because it, it is such a different feeling going from corporate to, to franchisee. So it's kind of like a, almost like a, I was like helpless too. I was like, wow, I, I, I got no one. And that store was huge. And I think Damien and JJ were on the grill, I think, at that point, which was like 30 feet away.
0: That was such a crazy setup. <laughs> yeah,
1: it, it, it was wild, and it was just nonstop. I remember John brought me a sandwich the one day because I I don't think I ate for three days. Queensbury, New York.
0: Was. Queensbury, New York was an experience. I think my biggest thing with Queensbury was the management staff there was so young. I mean, what Ben Scott was like twenty. Ben think, Scott was
1: no, I think it was eighteen.
0: Was he eighteen? Sarah yeah. was like nineteen. I was like twenty-two or twenty-one. JJ, I think was what like twenty-five, twenty-six. JJ, J.J. was definitely was
1: 23. He was younger.
0: J.J.? How old is J.J.? Uh,
1: he's going to kill me, but I think he's 26.
0: Oh, I thought he was 27.
1: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we we're. I mean, I was. This is four years ago, so I was 26. I was 26.
0: New York was four years ago? 21. Yeah, I was 26. Oh, my God, it was four years ago. Holy hell. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like two years at most, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was twenty six. Dante was twenty six. I think Evan was twenty five, and the whole crew. Yeah, we had a young crew.
0: Yeah, especially, but definitely in Queensbury, that was that was a fun store. I'm not even gonna, you know, that was a that yeah, was the first store I got to be a real GM in. Like Midland, I don't count because I had no clue what I was doing, but. New York was like, oh now I'm making schedules. I'm doing inventories. <laughs> Al's yelling at me for food costs. What the hell is food costs? <laughs> like, New York I never was yeah, uh... uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, man. So um so if you could if you could star in a movie, what genre would the movie be and give me a thirty second plot? No one gives me the thirty second plot, but you could do it.
1: A movie and a plot but if I gave you a movie that I'd want to start it and people would already know what the plot is.
0: No. So you, so you got to give me like the genre, like it's going to be a, I don't know, an action film. And this is what happens. Like you got to make up the genre and you got to give me like a quick, like 30 second plot. Like if you were pitching it, you know what I'm saying? To a director.
1: I mean, the movie that I envision myself being, if I, I'll start with that. It was the movie burnt with Bradley Cooper.
0: Yes. Yes, sir.
1: I used to envision myself like that. Cause like everybody would always tell me I'm like super intense in a in restaurant, but I, I feel like I would love to be in a movie like that, being the guy starting a, a Michelin star restaurant, being yeah. super intense, but having so much shit going on in your life too at the same exact time.
0: Which is and probably the, the reality. It's kind of, of like
1: the, the story of my life, like going through and just building a franchisee. Yeah, that's why I kind of like resonate with that kind of stuff because it's like you have, you know, when you're younger, it's like you work and your life is working and you're okay with that kind of, because you're not like I wasn't dating anybody. I wasn't really... I didn't really rent. I lived in a hotel. It was like really simple, you know, and then I, you go to a new place, you start a, start a new restaurant or restaurants. You start living on your own and then rent starts kicking in and then you start dating and then you start making friends and then you start bringing on more and more people and that you're more, that you're responsible for. It's just kind of like a, uh, I almost want to say like Boy Meets World too. A little bit for those of you that are old and knew about <laughs> that movie back in the, the 90s, but it's like, it's
0: a great movie.
1: Yeah show great show Damien Are are usually probably too young to know that show
0: Boy but. Meets World yeah I know that show my cousin that's the show with yeah. that like Topanga or some shit like that's yeah, her name yeah yeah so it's yeah. like a of
1: I think that's what I would be in it's like I don't, I've just dove straight I dove headfirst into life I think I've taken a lot of risks and it's just led me in a ton of different directions and I feel like that alone would be either a good book or a good sitcom I think I mean Damien I think you'd agree that some of the shit that we've experienced <laughs> over the last four years have, you know, some, some of the stuff is ridiculous.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, we, I used to tell uh, Peter all the time, like I, I kind of wish to God there were hidden cameras in Swampscott that just recorded half of the stuff that went on in our day-to-day lives there because, you know, in our heyday when things were going really great and everybody was kind of filling it and was all about Jersey Mike's in that store, you had me, Peter, Ben, Paris, all on a shift. Like, come on, man, that's comedy gold. You know, in the heyday when people were, you know. when
1: <laughs> like you were calling me with jokes rather than with breakdowns.
0: You're going to put that on my podcast, dude? And you don't want me to cancel you?
1: <laughs> I'm, 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 you're not canceling me. But I didn't say bad. I said the jokes.
0: So yeah, it. but I'm saying you're, you're gonna going to, to tell people background. about my breakdown? <laughs> no, it was just
1: like, it's the restaurant, day-to-day shit, you know? It's like, I, I do the same shit. You're like, well, what, what the fuck is going on today? Can I say fuck on this podcast? Right yes, here?
0: absolutely. You, yes, oh, yes, you can. Cool. You sure can. I was honestly surprised you hadn't cussed yet. I was kind of thinking that in my head. I was like, he really has not said a single cuss word yet.
1: <laughs> I was proud of myself. I think that was like, what?
0: 36 20? minutes. You You were doing pretty great.
1: I said shit once. <laughs> I think I made it in 20 minutes.
0: I don't count shit. That's not really a good word. I
1: don't know. You never know who's listening.
0: That's true. But uh, yeah, no, definitely. I think our lives almost write themselves into, like people don't understand the restaurant industry and I wish more people would because it is uh, unique for sure. there's, uh,
1: There's a book that I read recently, Kitchen Confidential by Anthony Bourdain, which like outlines every single detail about the restaurant business. And it's just such a, if you're in the restaurant business you should read it because it just you know you get a good laugh because you, you understand all of it but even if you're not in the restaurant business you can get a, a kind of a, an insight in on the world of people in the restaurant business it, it's literally its own it's a it's a it's a different universe different type of people circumstances like you, the everyday shit in the restaurant business is, is absolutely wild you know that's why they call chefs the the new rock stars because that's kind of the life it is the life to live
0: I'm going to have Day-to-day. to download that uh audiobook, listen to it while I open. It's, it's, uh, it's incredible. You're, you're, you'd love it. Yeah, it's been my thing lately. I download audiobooks and listen to them when I'm opening. It's like it's the best three hours of my day.
1: <laughs> no, I, I do that on my car rides. It's just
0: the best. Yeah, for sure. But um, so you've done a lot of traveling, both with Jersey Mike's and without. What would be uh, your favorite or most noticeable place or notable place that you've traveled to?
1: Uh, this is tough because i got to... Part of my heart is always going to stay in Italy. Just growing sure. up there. But um, I think the coolest place if I were to exclude Italy would be Cuba. Okay. I got really lucky that I was able to get over there during the, the one sliver of time they allowed American travelers in. Um, mm-hmm. but, I mean, I traveled in with my Italian password, so I guess it didn't really count. But, <laughs> um, but it, it was just, it was legitimately like going back in time. Every car was from the fifties, bright pastel colors. The, the, the buildings were the same colors. In um, my Uber, I guess not Uber, my taxi was this old fifties Chevy convertible. Yeah. I'm just cruising around Cuba, smoking cigars, drinking mojitos, eating ice cream. Everybody eats ice cream all the time in Cuba, which I thought was cool. Um, and they're massive baseball fans, which I am as well. So that was just a, overall just being able to speak baseball about with with like super intensely emotional and proud baseball fans in the streets it was just a different experience and I got to smoke a cigar at Ernest, Ernest Hemingway's house
0: that's odd oh, did you really even think I you told to me that, that.
1: yeah I, I didn't even know I was there I just kind of I, I I think I walked all of Havana and Florida just a town town next to over but yeah I also have a statue of I think it was a statue or a plaque of of him and I was like, oh, what is this and yeah, you can do a tour and everything okay. so yeah, that was super cool
0: yeah no, that sounds really dope sweet sweet okay all right well uh next question for you is um so if you could open uh a business that wasn't food industry related, what would you do
1: hmm probably have like a nerdy answer but i'm trying to find this maybe something that would be a little more exciting it's not no, give food. the exact
0: give the exact answer you don't got it
1: i don't know my was the food instantaneously so it's kind of hard to sift through all that gotcha uh,
0: well then screw it make it food what would you do
1: i would love to like so on the west coast there are a ton of places like portland and la there's lots that somebody buys a lot of land and makes it the the food truck hangout where every major food truck player comes there, and it's like a full night. It's almost like a, one of those you ever seen like a food shows where they go to like farmers markets at night in like Japan, for example? It just has that vibe. Mm-hmm. Like pretty much any food you want, exotic foods, you can find drinks, desserts, so there just like a, it's like an overall hangout place. Um, I think Boston needs something like that. See, like after like eight o'clock, it's like, all right, you can go to a bar or a restaurant, but there's really nothing that exciting
0: you know not to i just think the biggest i just think the biggest issue with boston or massachusetts as a whole is it's like they just don't believe in parking lots <laughs> like there's nowhere to park like where would you even put that i mean you know the plate you know the area better than me but that's my biggest complaint just living in lynn is i feel like there's nowhere to park when i want to go somewhere you know
1: yeah i mean it's it to be somewhere on like the outskirts like you know somerville came like you do that in cambridge but again trying to find a spot in cambridge but I don't know, just like something where it's like a place everybody can gravitate to at night and experience food, along with the the culture of experiencing food too. It's a whole different food culture. And I think on the West Coast, like in Portland, Oregon, there are multiple. Like I can there's probably 10 different food truck like sanctuaries. I don't know what to call, but it's like you go there and there's like 15 food trucks at least. And yeah. you can get an empanada to ice cream to like lasagna to Whatever, like anything you can think of on a food truck, right? It's not all that. right there, and it's all better than any restaurant you're going to go to.
0: And yeah, that sounds really dope. Vibe. That sounds really dope. We had something like that in Texas, um, probably not as large scale, but uh, in my hometown, right by one of our like Walmarts, there's like a shopping center right across the street. And most nights you can find a good like eight to nine food trucks out there. Uh, varying like you know whatever Cajun foods or Hispanic foods or yeah you know places that do like wacky combinations like pizzas with like French fries and chicken wings and stuff on them type thing but it's pretty dope. Me and my friend, me and my guys used to go there Friday night hangouts and stuff. So it would be or- a really cool concept to bring to Massachusetts for sure.
1: In the South, if if you're not hanging out at Walmart, you're not. None- <laughs>
0: You know how many times I've gotten together with friends and walked around a Walmart at one o'clock in the morning before they stopped doing their whole 24-hour thing? <laughs>
1: I mean, when I lived in Virginia, it was always hanging out at Walmart, and I didn't understand it. And then after four years of living down there, it's kind of just, I don't think it ever really made sense, but I was just like, it is what it is. This is what they do. <laughs> they just hang out at Walmart. People hate all trucks at People... Walmart.
0: people hate on walmart but people hate on walmart but there's days here in massachusetts where i'll feel a little homesick and i'll just go browse around a walmart and i'm just like i found i found a really sweet the walmart out in the linway has a really sick vinyl record collection i bought like four vinyl records the other day from it that's awesome yeah i mean it's like i don't know people hate on walmart but screw it i love walmart
1: (laughs) i just was a very i mean i guess when you're in the south and there's nothing Besides like either party in a barn, which is also fun. I'm not, hitting <laughs> on it. I'm not definitely not hating on it. It was some of my best parties I've ever been to. We're in a barn in the middle of nowhere. But if it's Tuesday night and you really have nowhere else to go, I guess a Walmart parking lot is maybe the safest, <laughs> most likely. Probably the safest too.
0: Did you ever get yeah. to go to like a like a big bonfire when you lit in South? Like a like a big bonfire party?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. They, they would just yeah. burn random, random shit in the middle of a they would shoot a bunch of stuff and then just Hell yeah.
0: It. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right, boss. Um, two more questions for you. This next one, little quick one. But uh, how are we feeling about Tyreek Hill being on the Dolphins? How are you feeling about this offseason? Got you a new left tackle? Got you a new wide receiver?
1: In my life, I've been proud to be a Dolphin fan maybe one time. <laughs> and it's this year. So um, I, it's it's kind of wild how many weapons we have right now. So I don't know what the, you know, how I feel about it, you know, because we could be like the Cleveland Browns or when they, they did the same thing and the quarterback was what stopped them. But I don't know. It's only really going to come down to Tua. Can he, can he throw the ball beyond 20 yards? <laughs> can or, he stay healthy on top of that? i going to go Tom Brady.
0: You're not getting Tom Brady. Come on. You believe those rumors?
1: Yes. There's, there's, some, there's some talk. That's all I'm saying. You never know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I've seen I've seen the reports on Twitter and I've, I've read the articles and I guess if it happened at this point, it wouldn't surprise me all that much. But uh, this is another one of those off seasons where I'm feeling sorry for myself as a Patriots fan. And I think <laughs> I think it was Scott yelled at me at work the other day about spoiled ass Patriots fans, and I'm over here throwing a hissy fit because we made the playoffs and lost the Bills. And he's like, I wish the Eagles would just win a playoff game. Spoiled ass Patriots fans, uh, but I just sucks being an Eagles fan. Feel so bad I mean, for Scott. Didn't they just won a Super Bowl like four years ago. I think they'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, they just got to sign Nick
1: Foles. But um, <laughs> I don't know. This is going to be really exciting for our division too. The Bills are awesome. The Patriots are still great. You know, Mac Jones is only going to be better next year, and the Dolphins can finally play. And I, it makes me so happy that Tyreek was making a decision between the Jets and the Dolphins,
0: and he chose the Dolphins.
1: And I, I hate the Jets more than I hate the, the Patriots. The Patriots is just they're just the Patriots. Like.
0: The is the is the Jets Dolphin thing like an East Coast thing? Is that just is that just like I
1: don't know? I don't know. I, to be honest, I don't know if I'm if I'm too young to know where that rivalry started. Obviously, we're in the same division. I think for there was before the Patriots were a dynasty. I think there was the Dolphins and the Jets going at going at it all the time. So I think that's what it's from. Gotcha. Even in the Marino days, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, but it was always weird because I, I lived you know an hour south of New York, and the Jets. I mean, the Jets played in New Jersey. So all my friends were either Giants, Jets, or, or you know Eagles, because Philly was only an hour away too. But
0: right,
1: and then I was just a weird <laughs> one who rooted for the Dolphins because didn't you root? Part. Oh, so that,
0: sorry, I was gonna say, isn't it because uh, Dan Marino was the most Italian name? Your grandfather, or what? What was the story?
1: Yeah, my grandfather you know, I, he, he told me that he was watching football and he saw Dan Marino's name on on the screen. He's like, oh, he's Italian. I like that guy because like I mean Italians don't know football.
0: I love I mean, that story. I don't
1: know football. I, just, I know football. I know fantasy football now, but you know, football's still a foreign concept, but uh, the uh, fantasy
0: it. the fantasy football league I'll never play in again except for every year.
1: Yeah, I think we all say that. You know, between Claudio <laughs> and you and myself. It's
0: Claudio keeps winning.
1: <laughs> yes, I know. That's what happens when you have a little bit more time to look at these things.
0: Ah, I mean my problem was I got too smart for it. I listened to all these little like Twitter experts and like TikTok experts that were like, Draft LaVisca Chenault because he's going to be Trevor Lawrence's number one target. And I'm like, Yeah, all right, fourth round, let's get this guy. Yeah, and a, like, a,
1: my coach. Exactly.
0: And it's like next year, I'm literally just going to go, Oh, Stefan Diggs. Yep. Oh, Josh Allen. Yep. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not playing smarter than I need to be because uh, this year was so frustrating, man. This was my might
1: worst performance. I trades next year, too.
0: I was about to say, I'm never trading again. Well, you need to wait to ban trades so you and I have our yearly. What the fuck was that trade?
1: <laughs> and, then, and then. Yeah, I had a few of those this year. I think I. I don't know yeah. what. I threw away my season, I think, basically. I had one, I had one trade to Andy. I think I traded away Pittman for I forgot who, but. Yeah, it was, it was not good.
0: No, but uh, all right. So uh, last question for the show and then we'll wrap things up. But um, if you could summarize your view on life, your view on the world uh, to people out there listening, what would you say that is?
1: Go see everything, go try everything and go meet everybody. So okay. keep it simple. Yep. It doesn't have to be like for me, it's you don't have to travel all the way to Japan from New York. You can literally just get on a train to Boston. Or go to the town next over. Just like go do things. Interact with people. You never know who you're going to meet. And nothing good comes from just staying in one place.
0: Okay. Now that's freaking awesome advice. Awesome. Okay. Well, then I want to thank everybody who tuned in to today's episode. You can listen to it on uh, Spotify, Apple podcasts and anchor. And if there's nothing else to say, then Al, I want to thank you a lot for coming onto the show, doing this with me for all the support you've given me in doing this podcast. You've been one of my biggest supporters and I am excited to release this thing. First thing tomorrow morning.
1: Well, thank you for not canceling me. And, uh, <laughs> thank you for the last four years. It's been fun. I think this next journey we're about to take is going to be absolutely amazing. But, um, Yeah, thank you.
0: Yep, absolutely, boss man. All right, man. I appreciate you. I'll talk to you in a bit. All right, bye-bye. All right, bye.